Bones are amazing things. They hold us up. They support us. They make us strong. But bones have other uses. In the past, bones were thrown by diviners, seeking out the mysteries of the future. Now the bones are cubes, made of plastic or resin. But they still reveal things to us. As they fall from our fingers and rattle across the table, the story becomes clear. Welcome to Bone Thrower's Theater, an RPG actual play podcast. Hello and welcome back to Bone Thrower's Theater, a special one-shot edition of Penny for My Thoughts. This is Johnny. This is Jeff. This is Jeremy. This is Allie. And this is Patrick. And I'm Jordan. And I am going to go ahead and take a stab at answering the second question. Recall an unpleasant memory. So I'm going to go ahead and pick my trigger memory here. Trigger your memory. Has anybody pulled one of their own yet? No. no. Nope. We've been pretty good about it. Got ourselves lucky yet? <laughs> well, I shouldn't have opened my mouth. <laughs> of one course. Of the song Photograph by Nickelback. Oh. Yeah. Oh, no. It seems fitting. Glad I didn't pull that one. Oh. Johnny. Did she enjoy the date? Yes, she did. And she asked to go on a second one, but I wasn't sure that was a good idea. Is that the day you got your dog? Yes, it was. Had to make sure that he didn't slide off the deck of the boat. Hard with a puppy. Jeremy. Was it vindicating to have everyone on the boat stare at him as the bad guy? Well, yes, it was. And he deserved every single ounce of misery he got. Ellie. Is it true you became friends with a man named Mr. Stolp? It is. We met in a mall food court once. Had some very nice Chinese food. Oh, oh. <laughs> so is Puppleton in Canada or Patrick. And you said listening to Nickelback changed your life? <laughs> yes. Well, this is a negative answer. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish that they hadn't played it in the oncology ward so much. So every time I hear that song, Photograph by Nickelback. I think about Marlene. She, Marlene was my nurse when I went for my treatments for my prostate cancer. But she was a nice lady. Always kept the spirits up. Always played music. Uh, and her love of music was widespread. She would listen to classic rock. She would listen to songs from the country station, but she kept it tuned to top 40 most often, and Nickelback song was charting then, so that's the one that we heard most often. Marlene and I, we started going on dates on a regular basis, and we would go to the mall sometimes, and she introduced me to uh, another former patient of hers, someone named Mr. Stolp. It was a little hard the time that Stolp and Marlene and I all went out on the boat together, uh, getting his wheelchair in over the uh, the railing. But we managed, uh, a few of the boys and me, 
It's nice having your own crew. And then there was my my puppy, Rand. I just had given, been given to him to me. Marlene had got him as a birthday present. It was the first birthday after I'd been declared clear by the doctor, so she wanted to get me something special. Something to keep me thinking about the world outside of myself. It was a little hard keeping Rand on the deck, but sooner rather than later, he learned to stay away from the edge. And most of the waves he was able to avoid. I didn't know though that Stolp had a hatred for dogs. That old get actually ran my dog off the boat with his wheelchair. My boys, they picked that wheelchair up, they dumped him out on the deck, and they flung it out into the sea. And as he lay there flopping on the deck, they started dumping fish on him. Marlene thought that this treatment was absolutely atrocious, but I couldn't find it in my heart to help Stoll. So she started following me around the ship and into the cabin and down below decks to the engine room. And everywhere she goes, she'd be like, you got to talk to your crew. They can't treat an old man like that. They can't behave in such a way. I looked at her. Johnny, what did I say? said the old man got what's coming to him the way he treats others. What goes around comes around. Um you say fine I'll buy him a new cat when I get to the mainland. Yeah that's how it went. <laughs> Marlene, I said Marlene. he got what he deserved. She did not take kindly to that. There was definitely no shine in her eyes when she looked at me. She said, I can't believe you would be so heartless. And I didn't want to hear it, so I went up on deck. But there's only so many places you can go on a 45-foot-long ship. But she followed me out on deck. She got right in my face and said, you need to make this right. Jeremy, what did that do? Shouted to the crew. I think we're all tired of hearing this one complain about how we do things on our ship. Lock this one in the engine room, just like the last one. Hmm! Yeah. Or was it... He deserves even more fish poured on him. Till he can't breathe no more. For that matter, you too. Yeah, that's it. So I grab her. And I'm I'm still recovering. I'm not I'm not at my my finest, I, I will admit. But I take her down to the engine room. She can see all the photographs on the wall. Look at these photographs. <laughs> and I pick up the planchette from the Ouija board that's on the table. And I have her looking at the whole line of women. I say, well, Sadie, what do you think? Should I toss it in the air? And it lands on the board. Patrick. Start time, Patrick. All right. Jeremy, where was it? Or was it you tied Marlene's hands in 
wedged the rope in the gear work of the engine. He said, enjoy your last 30 minutes. Shut the door. That was what it was. The plane shed landed on yes. And just like all those other pictures that were on the wall, I wedged the rope into the gears. I said, enjoy your last 30 minutes. Enjoy your last 30 minutes. With the tears streaming down her face, I caught the moment perfectly in the flash of the Polaroid. Plenty of fish were not the only thing caught on that boat today. Then I went upstairs. There's a small bunk in the pilot's room. And I crawled up on the bed and I grabbed the pillow. And I started crying into that pillow. Because I really wish for once Sadie would tell me more. I think that's what's neat. Wow. I'm coming from my thoughts. You're up. Sound of leather shoes. Right. Have you always wanted to be a cobbler? Yes. I was nicknamed Fancy Shoes in school. <laughs> was the door to your shop kicked in on that morning? Yes, and I still resent my father for it to this day. Will you ever go to the Grand Canyon again? <laughs> Yes, and I hope I have a more pleasant time than last. Did you stitch the shoes yourself? Yes, and for my first try, I thought they came out rather well. Did your father bust into your shop because you had a better mustache than him? <laughs> yes, and I'm sure he'd have done far worse had my mother not intervened. I remember when my father had taken us on a family trip to the Grand Canyon. It was recently after I had just managed to stitch my first shoe. Probably still in the, the grade schools at that time. It was uh, when I was starting to come into understanding my appreciation for the finer details of the shoe craft. I've been trying to teach myself the ways of cobblery. And I wanted to actually pick it up for my father, who had started up his own business before. When we had gotten to the Grand Canyon, though, I had accidentally misplaced the shoe repair kits, and he was uh, very disappointed with me, to say the least. At that point, I was grounded for the rest of the trip and not allowed to basically leave his sight after the trip to the Grand Canyon made it back to uh, our house where I started to try and spend as much time as I possibly could tutoring under my father in cobblery and he would try as hard as he could just to make sure I wouldn't be able to really follow in his footsteps or learn what I need to learn to be able to uh, maintain or even keep up with his business. So, after I got out of school, it was at that time that I decided I was gonna set out on my own and I was gonna start up my own workshop. I set it up and once everything was up and running, a few years later, 
Unfortunately, due to the recessions, uh, while I was doing okay as a growing business, my father, who never tried to expand or even look at further horizons, started to fail, and he became spiteful and angry. It was at this time when he had lost his business that he kicked down the door to my shop. My father confronted me and said I took everything from him, that uh, his failure is my fault. If I hadn't started up a business, he'd be the only one running who'd be able to uh, maintain everything. I told him he was just jealous, jealous of the fact that I had a greater mustache and that I was more successful than him in uh, all of my endeavors with or without his uh, assistance. It was at that time that he was uh, preparing to burn down my shop, in which case my mother had intervened to uh, put a halt to his actions. I believe that's what I'll go ahead and end the prologue. Nice. All that comes from a squeaky shoe. Grand Canyon, stupid mustache. <laughs> Those were the ones that messed me up. Right. I was over here trying, how do I loop in the Grand Canyon and a mustache? So where do we go from here? My mother intervened, uh, telling my dad that he didn't want to do this, that he's still my father, and that he should be proud and try to praise me for my accomplishments and to help nurture my goals and everything as opposed to taking out all of his frustrations on me instead and he proceeded to strike my mother tossed her out of the shop entrance and then proceeded to toss everything in my workshop onto the ground into a pile poured some fluid that he had in a flask strike a match and toss it down jeremy what did I do? He shouted no. Took a flying leap at him. Probably both of you to a bookshelf that was on fire. And it fell over. You shove him back away from your woods and your wares. And he's got this flaming lighter in one hand his flask in his elevator. And as he stumbles, he trips over the front body of your mother. And both of them collide and a fire sprays over both of them. Yeah, that's it. I showed my father back and he collided with my mother and they both burst into flames. <laughs> they were both on fire, my shop was on fire. We proceed to get a stick and a marshmallow. What do you got for me? Please be better. <laughs> Not wanting to see your mother burn up, you uh, quickly pull her out of the fire and extinguish the flames on her body. Reasonable. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. We can't just act like you. they saw a grocery store next door or something? Yeah, not everybody kills their twins. Well, their husband's twin and then renames their husband that twin's name. 
You know? Yeah, that's it. Devastated to see my uh, mother brought into this and being hurt by this uh, squabble. I reach in and pull her apart from my father and start to pat out the flames so that she can be saved. With the fire raging in the uh, shop, it begins to crumble down. I hear yells from the distance as some of the neighbors begin to approach with buckets of water to try and help put out the fire and stop the spreading. One of them notices that my father is still on fire and rushes over to uh, proceed to help and put him out. Jeff, what do I do or say? No, leave him. Let's go. Go with Jordan again. What do I do or say? You help pull your father out of the fire, but then you vow never to speak to him again. Yeah, that's it. I see the guy rush over to help my father and knowing that nobody else uh, deserves this kind of fate, I reach in with him and help to uh, pull him out and put out the fire. And it was at that time that I, I knew there was no resolution ever to be had with my father ever again. At least nobody died in my story. <laughs> Nobody died in my story. I mean, story. they were close to it. Nobody died in my story. Yet. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> You're up, Jeff. Yep. Alright. Let's see here. Smell of sour milk. <laughs> Ew. Sharing is what this brings to mind for me. That's exactly why I put it down. <laughs> and then he gets it. <laughs> So the two I put in there actually made it to the right people. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yes. That's hilarious. Alright, let's see. Let's, let's start, let's start with Jeremy since uh, he provided this for me. Were you ever able to get the smell out of your grandfather's car? Yes. Once I changed out all the upholstery. Alright, Jordan. Do you think that the sour milk killed your daughter? Killing people's daughters again. I know. Yes. The smell of sour milk was distracting her mother, causing her to swerve on the road and hit the telephone pole. Alright, Ellie, what you got for me? Did you finish all of your carrots? (laughs) Yes, but they always remind me of my daughter because they were her favorite vegetable. Actually, what you got for me? Do you knew your wife was allergic to milk? Well, the scent of sour milk, and you let her drive the car anyways? Yes, but I thought it had gotten rid of it all. Jeff, was Tuesday the same day this all happened? <laughs> yes, and it was a Tuesday to remember. This reminds me of the time when my wife and daughter died in the car accident. They were driving the car I recently inherited from my grandfather and there was this smell of sour milk in the car when we got it. Not sure where it came from. To get rid of it, I finally just broke down and placed all the upholstery inside. 
and I thought I had gotten it all, but my wife, being allergic to milk, was extremely sensitive to the smell. And while searching for where the smell could be coming from, she swerved and hit the telephone That happened on a Tuesday, second Tuesday in November. I always remember it, especially when I eat carrots. This is one of my daughter's favorite vegetables. I remember when I got the call that there was an accident and I rushed to the hospital. And I got to the hospital and I asked where I could find my wife. The attendant said that they, she's in the emergency room and I would just have to wait there. Jeff, what did I say or do? He pushed past and rushed to the emergency room. Or was it? Grab the nurse by her shoulders and shake her back and forth and demand that you be taken to her room this instant. Yep, that's it. I I grabbed the nurse by her shoulders and started shaking her, screaming at her. I need to see my wife. Take me back here immediately. The other nurse that was there called security to come have me pulled off and I let go of the one I was shaking in. Started fighting against the security guard saying, I have to see my wife. They won't let me in to see her. I need to know what's going on. Finally, the guards escorted me back to the emergency room to wait there for more information. I started trying to find my wife. The security guard pulled me off, grabbed me by the arm, started pulling me back away. He told me that if I didn't calm down, they would have to escort me from the building. And I... Jeremy. Grabbed his nightstick, clocked him on the knee, and ran screaming down the hallway. Or was it Jordan? <laughs> Take a centering breath. You say, ask where payphone is because you have to call the dairy farm and say you won't be at work today. <laughs> Alright, I'm gonna go Jeremy on that one. <laughs> oh. Oh. But the pathos was real. <laughs> so yeah, that was it. That's what happened is the guard was pulling on me and I grabbed his nice stick and bashed him on the knee so he let go of me. I dropped the nice stick and took off running down the hall, screaming my wife's name. And then I see my daughter on a gurney, lifeless. And I stop and I stare at her. And Ellie, what do I do? You dropped to your knees, sobbing, begging for a miracle to happen, grasping to the gurney with your last bit of energy from using all your strength the entire day and just gasping for air every sob after every sob. Or was it? Yeah. You stop cold in your tracks, you break down crying, and you continue running through the hospital screaming your wife's name for a different reason now. I'm staring at my daughter, and I fall on my knees. Tears streaming from my eyes. I start wailing, <laughs> crying out, begging for a miracle to bring my child back. Pouring out everything I have into 
my sobs and my prayers, my wishes. Finally, the guards catch up to me and they escort me out of the building and wait for the police to come and take me away. And that's the end of that memory. Well, thank you so much for listening to this fairly tragic episode of Bone Thrower's Theater. Thank you for listening to Bone Thrower's Theater. We are releasing this podcast under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. That means you can share the podcast, but please do not modify it or try to gain financially from it. If you would like to visit our website, you can do so at bonethrowerstheater.com. If you'd like to send us an email, you can do so at bonethrowerstheater at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is bonethrowerstheater. You can also look us up on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And until next time, may the bones fall ever in your favor. This has been a Nerd Circle podcast production.